It's time to accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 536 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. We're held in depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. Joining me on Accelerate today is Sabrina Atienza. Sabrina is the founder and CEO of Curious.io. That's Curious with a Q. And they sell a system that uses real-time voice AI to drive sales. Now, we're going to talk about artificial intelligence, AI, and sales, how it can be harnessed to drive productivity increases, reduce the ramp-up time for new reps, and in general, help all reps model their actions after those of top performers. If you'd like to see show notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 536. You'll find their timestamp breakdown of this and really all the conversations on Accelerate, so check it out. Now, if you like the show, it would really help us out if you subscribed, left us a review on wherever you listen to the show, iTunes, Google Play, wherever. You can do all that, again, one of those platforms or your podcast app you're using to listen to this right now. So go ahead, hit pause, subscribe, leave your review, then come right back. We'll be waiting for you. All right, let's jump into a Sabrina. Sabrina Atienza, welcome to Accelerate. Thanks, Sandy. Excited to be here. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure to have you on. So, a sort of standard open question I ask most of my guests, and especially those yeah, in the sales field, such as yourself. So, in your your opinion, what is the single biggest challenge sales reps are facing today? I think there's an increased pressure in ramping really quickly, and then combined with tending to leave companies quicker than ever, so faster churn at companies, and just the tendency to explore other job opportunities even faster. I actually think onboarding has become an increasingly difficult problem as people are switching companies all the time and they need to get the material down for that company and develop you know, the most effective way to sell that company into their target segment. All right. Well, there's a couple of problems there. So first of all, so in your opinion, what's, what's the way to solve the churn issue? Yeah, I mean, one I mean, way... You're, we, and you're talking primarily about SDRs, I imagine, um, or the you know, more entry-level sales roles. Certainly, I think job, job tenure is about a year, I think, in, in Silicon Valley for that. Not much longer in general, I think, in, across the industry. Um, so what, what, what can companies do to change that? Because, yeah, it's certainly... You're never going yeah, to make onboarding an instantaneous process, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's always going to take some time. And so if you're saying, yeah. like, I got a 90-day ramp, but I got only somebody that's only going to stay here for 9 to 12 months, oy. Yeah, I mean, one way that we try to address that is providing real-time training on every call. So traditionally, you might have training once a quarter, or if you're really good about it, you know, once a week in a one-on-one coaching session. And now we're seeing a set of technologies emerge that are actually able to provide training nearly on every call, if not every single call. And what that means is technology that's able to go back and parse what went well, what didn't go so well areas to potentially improve diagnosing performance gaps between what you're saying and maybe the top person on the team and what he or she is saying. We're seeing sort of a set of emerging technologies able to provide you with that capability so that you're trained all the time on every single call. Okay. Well, I I thought we'd get into this a little bit later, but I mean, it seems like one of the the challenges there is then that's certainly, you know, interesting development and you can see how it could be used, but is your then sort of pushing train to people who have no context for it. So isn't that sort of the issue? I mean, every sort of training you have to receive is sort of has to be based on something that's preceded it, right, in order to, for it to really sink in and have value and be able to be implemented. 
So do we have do we have an issue that that you know we push too much too soon? I mean, it's, I I don't know the answer because you know we do again. You're absolutely right. You identified a critical point where we've got amazing amount of churn at, at entry level sales jobs, yet it takes too long to onboard them and bring up to speed. Yeah, I, I think what we see often when we work with clients is they'll push content in the training without explaining why this has been proven to work um, and without really supporting it with data, you know, and it makes it as a person who's receiving that training or that information, it makes it hard to know whether this is really what is the most effective or is this just what my manager wants me to say? Um, So for that entry level (laughs) role where you're also like trying to figure out your own personality, your own style, there's a little bit of resistance against just using the words given to you, especially if there's no real data backing up, like this is what's been proven to work. We've A-B tested all sorts of messaging, all sorts of positioning. We have data on what's converting. Um, that is very sorely lacking. Okay. All right. Well, let's, let's jump into a little bit about, about Curious, because um, we're going to, we'll touch on those topics as we talk about it for sure. So, so tell people briefly what Curious does. Yep. So we are an AI platform that provides real-time feedback during sales calls. So common use cases are if customers ask questions, bring up objections, or bring up certain competitors, we can detect that live on the call and then give your rep a couple bullet points or ammo in terms of how to overcome that objection or question or competitor mention effectively. Okay. Well, let's, let's, again, let's dive into that. So you sort of divided into several areas. As one is you talk about building playbooks quickly. So what you're doing is you're taking calls, you say, from like A players and build playbooks off of that. So explain how that works. Yeah, I think one of the biggest pieces is really what is the most effective thing to say. And that takes time for an organization to learn. And typically, it's already in the brain of somebody there. It's in the it's in the mind of the top sellers in your company. Um, the difficult part is like, how do you extract that in a way that's authentic? Because if you ask somebody, what did you say to close the deal? That's, you usually get a different response than sure. if you were to actually listen to the call, just because they have their own perspective. They remember some things, don't remember some other things. And what we're seeing is, you know, technology like ours, where we're analyzing the conversation, we're able to pull out objectively, this is what the customer asked when, and this is exactly how the A player responded to that question. So if it was just that simple of, of copying what the A players were saying, then, I mean, this is, this is a much more elegant solution, but I mean, certainly that's been available in the past, right? I mean, call scripts and recorded calls and so on. But it doesn't seem like it's quite as simple as just copying what what other people say. I mean, that's obviously some context available that, uh, and some subtleties in terms of how people deliver the message. Yeah, I think it's just the starting point. Um, so one reason we start there with just what the A player is asking, what they're saying, is because often that isn't even set in stone. Um, like we'll often go to a company and they'll have a playbook that may have been built uh, by an outside firm or by a sales enablement group or by a marketing function. It may have been built a year ago. And by the time it was created, it was outdated. One year later, it's certainly outdated. And so we see a real challenge around making sure what's proven to work in your market today actually stays current. Um, So that in and of itself is a problem. And at least in our perspective, we find it starts with pulling out some commonality across the best 
reps in their conversations. It's just the starting point. Like by no means are we trying to say you should say exactly what this person says and it's going to cure everything, but it's, it's really the starting point in terms of what the organization as a whole is found to be effective in selling into that customer segment. Over time, we expect reps to personalize the techniques and the verbiage into their own style. Yeah. I mean, you'd, you'd certainly hope so, but you know, we also are sort of in this, this era where one of the, the artifacts of some of the technologies are sort of a greater conformity being pressed on salespeople in the sales process. Um, mm. when actually, you know, I'm a huge advocate that the process is great, but it's, it's how people individualize and personalize that in the way to fit their own strengths that, that enable them to become the A players. Um, so I guess when you, you know, put together, let's say a playbook and the way you talked about using, you know, the A player content is, is how do companies take that and use that? Yeah. So fundamentally how they use it is to coach what questions to ask and what questions have in the past proven to engage customers more. Um, the holy grail is to be able to, with technology in real time, interpret what the customer is saying and then deliver even more personalized suggestions for how the rep can really dig in and personalize the rest of the conversation. Um, but even today, just compiling you know, a set of awesome open-ended questions that have been proven to engage customers, trial closes that the A players use, transitioning from different parts of the conversation, how they set up the initial call and qualify up front. These are aspects of what we call a playbook that we deliver, and then that is what is served up in real time to the other reps on the team who might be new or who might be struggling. So when you say real time, so reps sitting at their their desk, they're making the call, they're you know, doing it through their dialer, presumably. So what you're doing is is serving up on the screen for them real-time suggestions. Yes, on the screen, real-time suggestions while they're at their desk, typically engaging with a customer. So really the inside sales model is what we're targeting there. Mm-hmm. So is there a risk of, of uh, focus? I mean, sort of multitasking distraction here because, yeah, we, we know people are incapable of multitasking. I mean, is there a... How, how you know... Tell us, you know, based on your experience with your product, is what do you see in terms of how reps actually are able to sort of integrate this into the flow without taking their eye off the ball? Oh, yeah. And there's definitely a spectrum. So some folks are comfortable with like a big block of text as long as it was they who personalized that block of text. Others just want, you know, two bullet points. If a competitor is brought up bullet point one, this is how we're very different. Bullet point two, here's a case study of a customer who had worked with that competitor, but then came to us, you know, like little pieces of ammo like that, just to guide you in terms of where you might want to take the conversation. And our platform's pretty flexible in terms of how you want that content to look. So even though we extract these pieces from the A player, each rep can still personalize the different parts of it. So if you want just three bullet points derived from the A player response, you can reformat it just to have three bullet points. If any more than three bullet points would be too distracting during your flow. Mm-hmm. So and your systems, as I said, are providing nudges to the, the rep. Um, so is it doing real-time transcription of the call? It is, yeah. So the underlying technology behind it is real-time transcription. So that's how we're able to pick up on different topics being discussed. Okay. And so you're picking up real time when topics being discussed, correlating them, I guess, back then to the the playbook that you had created. 
and then said, yeah, based, we just heard this from the customer. So based on the playbook, this is the question or potentially these are two questions you could be asking at this point in time. And you, you let's say provide that nudge to the, the rep. Yes, exactly. Got it. Got it. So how do you, interestingly, how do you, how do you account then for, because one thing I don't, you talk about is, you know, the system could nudge a rep to stop talking. You know, if they're talking, oh, yeah. too, if they're talking too much, it, which is, is interesting. So what's the trigger in that case? Yeah, so the trigger there is customizable, but when we roll it out, our default setting for an AE demo situation is if you're talking for more than 90 seconds. Um, but again, that is customizable. So in a prospecting call, maybe you want to even lower that, that they shouldn't be talking for more than just 60 seconds at a time. Or if the conversation is supposed to be really in-depth where you're primarily the one presenting, if that's how you want it to be, you can set it to be much higher. So if you're talking for more than five minutes straight, uh, you know, then we'll have a warning pop up that's called a rambling warning in red. <laughs> so, but you're not, um, are you calculating sort of the ongoing ratio of talk listen? So that if, we, if it exceeded the ratio, you, you send them an alert or it's just on sort of duration within an instance? Yeah, so we actually look at that ratio as well. And then after the call, you, you would obviously get a printout of who was talking and when. Um, so if you're talking for a very extended period of time relative to the other parts of the call where you were talking, that rambling warning would pop up as well. Okay, interesting. Because you know, there are some sort of um, gender differences even, you know, that, uh, company Gong.io had, Gong had analyzed you know thirty five thousand calls or something and found that uh, that actually some of the ratios that we sort of think about that that uh, as being sort of normative actually maybe aren't sometimes let's say when you know top female sellers are selling you know they actually end up talking more but they close more so the ratios don't so you're saying those can all be customizable then for. Oh, yeah. And it's different for each company. So even just looking at talk to listen ratio at a particular company, we've seen an A player who talks 80% of the time um, sure. to, and other companies where it's 20 to 30%. They're really, really good at asking questions and getting a lot of information out from clients. And so even the optimal ratio can be different per company. So a question for you is, is and it gets back to this concept of, of, Really identifying what A players do that makes them A players. To me, this this seems like a really difficult task, right? Because there's so much context in terms of the human to human interaction, whether it's in person or over the phone. That that seems like it it's hard to capture just through through a, a transcription. So, how what sort of data are you looking at that sort of says, okay, yeah, these gives us a degree of confidence that you know this is what A players are doing, and this is this is replicable. Yeah, I mean, so we've looked at, to date, we've probably analyzed several hundred thousand hours worth of sales conversations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, our type of technology is not applicable today to super complex sales where a lot of the interaction is outside of a traditional, you know, webinar or web conference. Um, but what we have noticed, at least for the inside sales model, so sure. average contract value up to fifty thousand mm -hmm. dollars. What we've what we've really learned that surprised us the most is that the A players have a playbook already that they use again and again because they've found it to work. Um, so it's not uncommon. We'll go into a company and the A player will say, "I always start my demos with these four open-ended questions because it just gets the customer talking." Um, and what we actually found is the variation in what people say, that increases as they become 
lower performers, meaning they haven't really figured out what works yet. So they're still trying a lot of different things, trying to understand what resonates here, what resonates there. Whereas the best performers on the team typically actually have a playbook that they adhere to because they've figured out these are the questions that resonate with customers. These are the tough questions I need answered before actually moving to the next stage in the deal. Yeah, well, I mean, that's all extremely logical, right? Because you would expect the players to, have, by the time you've let's say, captured them for the first time, <laughs> they're more experienced or they're more confident in what they're doing, and and the others are still still sort of searching. But it, I think it sort of gets back to a little bit of the issue we talked at the beginning of the the interview was was the conversation was about how do you how do you empower how do you empower the B players to to be like the A players, to, to have their own playbooks, as you talked about. Because one, one of the, I don't want to say inequities, but <laughs> some of the things I see in sales organizations oftentimes is that, you know, the A players are given more leash to, to have their own playbooks because they are A players, mm-hmm. but they didn't, they didn't, you know, they didn't pop into life as A players. They popped into life as B and C players, right? And they learned through experience what, and they have a certain skill set that help them learn and retain and and become more effective. But but then it seems like the hammer is always laid on the the B and C players a little more firmly than it is on the A, where what they really need is more more rope and in some cases, you know, more data like you're supplying. Yeah, I think a big piece there is we really focus the real time feedback around reps who are new, onboarding or struggling. In terms of the core value prop AI-based technologies today for the B group middle, um, which is often the largest in an organization. So incremental productivity improvements there are are massive, right? Right. Top line. Um, One of the things there is just enabling them with data. So before you could intelligently analyze all of these calls at scale, a, a normal person would have to go back and listen to the call recording or take copious notes to figure out what resonated, what didn't resonate here. Um, and B players do that because they, they're not, you know, they're not the C players. They figured some things out, but still trying to figure a lot of other things out. One thing we really focus on is just empowering them with data that they can interpret um, and that they can act upon. So if we find that the last five objections that they're running into is about pricing and we show that to them, really our, our goal is to empower them to be able to focus on handling that specific objection, which might involve asking somebody else, hey, how do you handle this objection because it's it keeps coming up in my conversations or again some of the content that may have been created through your system was that hey here's how the a players handle those five objections yep and we try to present that as objectively as possible and i think that's a really big element of it um because what we're essentially doing like you know listening to the a player and saying hey you might want to say this isn't necessarily a new concept in some sense it's the role of the manager or in many companies they actually will pull the a player out of selling and say hey go train everybody else for a day that's not uncommon either and so what we're really doing is scaling that process so your a player can still remain selling but something intelligent is picking up on what he or she would would say during a training session anyway yeah, I think it's even more powerful than that because, uh, to your point, is if you ask an A player to get up in front of a crowd and talk about, hey, my success stories, let's say, they're not going to remember the details. Not like they would if they were having their call transcribed and and listened to. Oh yeah, so, not so at all. I, yeah. So I think what you're talking about is actually even more powerful than that because it's it's it takes a lot of the anecdote out of it. 
And I think that's that's part of what's always been frustrating for managers trying to say, okay, why don't you just, you know, be like, uh, yeah, Andy, why don't you be like Sabrina? Um, is you start taking some of the ambiguity away from that, which I think then really does become become powerful. Because I don't, again, I don't think people can copy word for word, but you know, when you're learning, what you want is you want you want that one thing, right? How'd they ask that question? I mean, to me, that's that's one of the most powerful things, right? Somebody could learn from from your system, you know, listening to an A player on your system is, yeah, how do, how do they ask that question? Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe I can't ask it quite the same way, but if I could hear them ask that to five different customers, um, that'd be a that'd be a big learning for me if I'm paying attention. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I think that's the thing that for you know B reps, C reps, again, not casting aspersions on on people I and mean, people at various stages of development, is that you can have a great tool like this. But I was just talking to somebody else earlier today, a different uh, interview is is. If you're still not curious, though, and if you still not have desire to learn, you know, these tools aren't going to help you. That's very true. I mean, we've encountered situations where we will pop up a piece of information that the VP of, that came from the VP of sales and the VP of sales knows it would help the conversation and still the rep won't take it. And so that that is more a diagnosis of of a different kind of problem. And yeah, to your point, it's not necessarily one that we are well positioned to solve. Um, is is that a cultural issue that they're not wanting to learn? Um, are they feeling really really pressured and stressed during the conversation so they can't take on more input? Um, I think it's a diagnosis of potentially other problems that certainly a manager should should look into. So. Sort of look, taking a broader, taking stepping back and take a sort of broader look on things is, is you know, how do you use this data to really elevate sales productivity? And and I think this is this is sort of a key point. Had this conversation with a lot of customers in terms of you know productivity is just not an activity level, right? It's so so how do we how do we truly move the needle? Because you know if you look at industry reports. Forrester, CSO Insights, all these various ones is, yeah, we're, despite all this investment technology and sales tech and our sales stack Mm -hmm. and so on, we're going nowhere, right? The needle's not moving in terms of productivity or performance, let's say, in sales forces. So how do we, how do we use this to really move the needle? You know, make a, make a change. Yeah. I mean, we see a lot of teams that have invested in complex sales stacks where, People are making, you know, 100 plus calls a day. And in that scenario, it's more important than ever. You make sure every conversation your prospect is having is a high quality conversation. Typically, your universe of potential prospects is, is, is quite finite. You know, so if you're having unprofessional or unprepared or just ineffective conversations with customers, that is just a massive source of pipeline leakage. Um, so to your point, you know, this new set of technologies around AI, leveraging AI and, and trying to tackle the productivity problem, I think one of the areas that hasn't gotten as much attention with technology but is starting to get attention now with things like voice AI is specifically the conversation. So what are your win rates in the conversation? What are the top objections and questions coming up from customers? Do we need to revise our go-to-market playbook as a company? You know, is our messaging actually resonating with customers? Can we A-B test that in conversations, not just in email, but now in conversations with prospects? And A-B test across a range of, of sales reps. 
I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think that's really the critical thing that that you know I'd want to use it for is because yeah, it's 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 interesting to see maybe what happens with the A players, but I'm really interested in see how the B and C players really. As you said before, this is really who this is sort of targeted for, right? I mean, yeah, you can get the biggest biggest return if you get your B players to scale up to be A players for sure. Oh yeah, and A B testing across the range of reps and and letting each one or empowering each one to come up with a playbook that works for them, I think is is really key rather than shoving the same piece of messaging down their throat, which some are fine with and other others are less comfortable with. So let me ask the question then. So for your your customers, what do they see that they're investing in when they invest in a system like yours? Yeah, they see a reduction in onboarding time and also an increase in win rate. Um, so they're really investing in the outcome as much as AI is certainly a shiny layer to the platform and it makes it possible to do a new set of things at scale. At the end of the day, people are investing in, in wanting to see those outcomes. So reduced onboarding because churn is so high, especially in an entry-level role, it's, it's more important than ever to get people up to speed as quickly as possible when you know most likely they're going to leave within a year. Um, and then the second piece, increase in win rate. So there are all of these great productivity tools to get into more conversations with customers, send more emails with customers. The problem is there there hasn't traditionally been much to help you when they actually pick up the phone and say hello. So at that point in your cycle, this new set of technologies, AI, can really help with that. So I guess the question back to the churn, because it's sort of taking us full circle back to where we started, was... was What's the answer to churn, let's say, at SDR level, at the entry-level sales function? I mean, is it because it's, it's a problem, right? So as an industry, and you're in the sales industry, is, is what, in your mind, is, is the answer? How do you, or is there no way to address it? I mean, it's like, hey, we're in the valley. There's all these bright, new, shiny objects popping up all the time that are always going to attract, uh, you know, moths to the flame, if you will. Or what are companies not doing that say, look, yeah, your future is better off spent here versus jumping to the next, the next, you know, hot, quote unquote, hot thing. Yeah, I think one of the areas that is sometimes underinvested in is reducing onboarding time so that people get success faster. Which is like it's it's highly encouraging in terms of morale if you know you're experiencing a lot of success and customers are interested sooner rather than later. Um, I don't know if that's the silver bullet answer, but there are studies showing correlation. You know, if you reduce the onboarding time, then churn also decreases just because people are experiencing success faster and therefore don't necessarily want to leave sooner anymore. Um, That's one thing that I think companies can at least take action on today. And so if you were able to slash your onboarding time in half, besides the very obvious benefits to top-line revenue, there's also this other anticipated consequence around just helping people experience success faster and be excited to work there and therefore stay longer. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, and I think there's a lot of value to that. I mean, I think the, that is perfectly valid because I think that, that yeah, the sooner people feel a sense of mastery over what they're doing, then, yeah, perhaps perhaps they're less tempted to, to move on because they can see a path forward to making money. Um, and I know a certain amount of churn is, is driven by people saying, yeah, I can't sell this. I'm going to go someplace else and sell whatever we got there. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, given the failure rate of startups, you know, most of those, you end up sort of getting this this mode of sort of going from failure to failure to failure, right? I mean, even though they might have been companies that are well-intended and well-funded, but, you know, that's just the fact of life. Um, oh, yeah. 
So and it's very demoralizing when you start seeing that happen. Like if people are truly leaving because they can't sell the product. Um, and that's the type of issue as well, where analytics can at least help inform the C suite, you know, in terms of guys, we're running into the same exact objections. We're running into the same exact competitors and we're not winning. You know, that's the type of information that should be funneled directly to the CEO and the board. Yeah. And then you can, <laughs> nice thing when you have a system like curious, then you can go back and you can say, okay, let's, let's deconstruct this. Let's listen to some calls. Yep. Yep. Excellent. Well, good. Well, Sabrina, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Andy. So tell folks how they can find out more about uh, Curious and how they can connect with you. Sure. So you can find out more on our website, which is www.qurious.io, curious.io. And feel free to shoot me an email as well. My email is sabrina at curious.io. Great. Great name, too. I love the with the Q. Very, very good. Well, no, I, I like that. So, yeah, obviously, curiosity question, that, that uh, combination. Very good. All right, Sabrina, again, thank you very much. And friends, thank you for spending the time with me today. Make sure you come back again tomorrow for another great episode of Accelerate. Until then, please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, or if you get a chance, uh, just write a quick review. We want to hear what, uh, from you and let us know what we're doing, good or bad, and what we can do to help you more. So thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. 